Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. The church, I'm glad to be here this morning. My name's Rob Townsend, and uh, I'm wondering, I I got a real big question for you. Okay, do you guys think you can handle this question? Are you sure? Because the first service was a little sleepy, so maybe you guys have had extra coffee. How many of y'all still have your Christmas decorations up? Excellent. How many of you took them down yesterday? Boo. Wow. <clears throat> Why did you take them down yesterday? It was a week. Yeah, it was, just, it was a good day to do it. Um, so, so others of you that leave them out, do you leave them out for a certain day or you just are incredibly lazy? It, it's okay. You can talk to me. Ooh, epiphany. You keep them up till epiphany. What is Epiphany. Boom, I'm just going to sit down. This is an educated congregation. Okay, so, so some people leave them up to Epiphany. So there's actually 12 days of Christmas, right? From uh, December 25th to January 6th is a day that uh, the church celebrates Epiphany or the day that the, the wise men or the magi or the kings or whatever you might call them uh, visited Jesus. Okay, and some of y'all keep your trees up until... February. Somebody in, in, in first service kept up till February, and they just put you know hearts on them for, and then it becomes a Valentine's tree, and then you got shamrocks for St. Patrick's Day, or it's a March tree or whatever. Uh, so we still got the decorations up here in the church, and and many of you you know we'll keep them up, or maybe you'll put them down, take them down next weekend or whatever. But it's still Christmas, so we're gonna read a Christmas story today, and the Christmas story is found in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter two, verses one through twelve. And it's the story of, uh, of the, the wise men or, um, or the magi. The word says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, now right there, that's an oxymoron, right? I get it. Wise men, it's kind of like jumbo shrimp for you ladies, right? There's no such thing as wise men, but, but bear with me, okay? Wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return 
to Herod. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. Lord, we acknowledge that uh, we've heard this story before. Uh, some, some grew up in church and, and had this on flannel graphs in Sunday school. Lord, so many of us have nativity sets as part of our decorations around our house this Christmas, and it's represented in the scenes that are laid out in those crash sets or those nativity sets. Lord, we acknowledge that your word is alive and it, it speaks to us. Lord, if we're honest, your word reads us instead of us reading our, your word. And, and Lord, we acknowledge that, that your word transforms us. It, it does something in us. It, it, it knows us. Lord, we're thankful for the Holy Spirit and, and we're thankful for his presence in our lives. Lord, we acknowledge that when we dive deep into your word, something happens. There's a transformation that happens. And we, we lay before you this morning, Lord, and, and we want to be transformed by your word. Lord, we want to leave this place a different way than, than how we came in. God, we acknowledge that we might go out the same door, but we want to be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit through your amazing and anointed word. So God, we humbly ask this morning that you would speak through me and that you would speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe some of y'all remember the TV show, The Mythbusters. Anybody ever remember The Mythbusters? You know, they were, they were, it was a pretty cool show. They would, they would take these myths and they would try to, to determine if they were real or not. They would do all kinds of things. They would blow up, you know, water heaters and, and, and see how fast cars could drive and that kind of thing. They would, they would uh, put somebody on a deserted island and see if they could survive with a roll of duct tape, you know, stuff like that. And they would, they would bust all these myths. Well, today we're diving into this passage of Scripture, Matthew 12, verses 1 through 12, and we're going to bust up some myths. Are you okay with that? Are you okay if I just kind of blow your mind a little bit with, with maybe some things that you've grown up with or some things that you have understood and you thought because it's culturally correct that, that it, it must be biblically correct? Well, when we dive into God's Word, we find out some other things. So we're going we're gonna to bust up some of those uh, myths this morning. Now, you know about these magi and you know about uh, these three kings, maybe you sung that song growing up, or you that Christmas carol, you know, We Three Kings of Orient Are. That, that has a lot to do with kind of what we believe about these guys. Um, but but we, we know that you've heard the joke before that uh, if the wise men were, were women, you all know that. What would, what would have happened if the wise men were women? Well, first of all, they would have stopped to ask for directions, right? They would have showed up on time. Uh, they would have assisted in the, the, uh, the birth process for, for Mary. They would have cleaned the stable. Uh, they would have brought practical gifts, <laughs> right? And, uh, and they probably would have made a casserole, right? I mean, that's just, that's just what hap would have happened if they were, they were wise women. But one thing we do know from Scripture is that, that the, the, the wise men were firemen. You know that, right? Because the word says they came from afar, I'm a dad at heart. I just gotta, 
got to get the dad jokes out, so that's good. All right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll keep moving forward. Sorry, Pastor GJ, I just got to get those out. Well, one of, the, one of the myths about these guys, we sing We Three Kings of Warrior and R. The myth is that they were kings, right? We, we think that they were kings. We, we think that uh, really that, that myth came about in the third century, uh, and, and in the third century, they kind of focused on a passage of Scripture, Psalm 72, 11, uh, which says, all kings will bow before him and all nations will serve him. Now, that's a, that's a legitimate Scripture, right? I mean, the, the, the Word of God is true. And the reality is we acknowledge Jesus to be our Lord of Lord, our King of Kings. So all kings do bow down to Jesus. But uh, taking that scripture and applying it to this passage of scripture in Matthew uh, doesn't necessarily mean that the visitors from afar were actually kings. We don't know that. We just know that, that they were uh, probably uh, magi, which in that uh, world means that they were people that looked at stars. They were, they were into astronomy, not astrology, not your horoscope, but they were into astronomy, the, the study of of the stars, so that we know about them. But we do acknowledge that all kings are going to bow before Jesus, and all nations will will serve him. Maybe you grew up uh, remembering, or maybe somebody told you the names of the three kings. Uh, anybody, anybody, come up with those? Can you come up with those off the cuff? Uh, Yeah, it's in my notes. Very good. Okay, so you can follow along with my notes. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> good job. All right. So, so Gaspar, or uh, some called him Casper. Some traditions call him Casper. My tradition I grew up in, that was a ghost. So um, stay, stay with me, y'all. Stay with me, okay? So, so Gaspar uh, was thought to be the king of India, right? Um, and Melchior was thought to be the king of Persia, and then Balthazar was thought to be the, either the king of Arabia or, or Ethiopia. The reality is uh, we don't know their names. It's not scriptural. We don't necessarily know. We could get to heaven and find out that it was three guys and these were their names, and that's cool. That doesn't downplay this passage of Scripture. That doesn't make this passage of Scripture false or inaccurate. What we do know is that the Scripture does not lay out their names, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they were kings. It doesn't also necessarily mean that it was three of them, right? I mean, we in the, in the Western church, we have always thought that it was three because there were three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's the only thing that's scriptural, but it doesn't necessarily say that there was three of them. Uh, if you grew up in, in the Eastern church, like our pastor TJ did in the Greek Orthodox church, uh, there was belief that it was 12 of them, 12 wise men, which there's no way you could get 12 wise men together, right? I mean, it just, it just wouldn't happen, right? But, but the, re, the reality is, in those days, we know that they came from a long distance, right? So if they traveled across the desert to come to Bethlehem, in those days, you would never travel across the desert with just three people or even just 12 people, because the desert was treacherous. It was, it was like this, it was like the Wild West, you know? I mean, there were, there were robbers, there were thieves, there were all kinds of people that was, they were always trying to take whatever you had. So all of the trade routes were, were all, there was a scary place. So they would have traveled in large caravans with a lot of people. So we know that it would have been a lot more than three, even a, a lot more than 12. So I, I know we're just kind of busting all these, these myths that we believed. We three kings of Orient are, oh yeah, Orient, that's another one. 
they, they probably were not from the Orient, or at least what we think of in our culture as the Orient, or Asia, or, or, or China. They, they probably uh, were from a place that we think of as, as maybe like modern-day Iran or, or Iraq, uh, something that we think of as, as like Persia. And in order to, to, to connect the dots there, why in the world would they have been thinking about the Messiah? Why would these magi have been studying the stars for the birth of a Jewish king? What is the connection? How would they have known? Well, this is the cool thing about the interconnectedness of the Bible, particularly what we call the Old Testament and the the New Testament. Uh, Now, for those of you that don't like history, I'm sorry, I'm a bit of a history nerd, but just, just bear with me, just... Just a little bit, and I'm looking at my family over here, so that so so you can because they they hate that I'm a history nerd. But one of the things you have to recognize is the history of the destruction of Israel. Now you think of modern day Israel, you can kind of picture it in your mind on a map. You know where it is on the Mediterranean Sea. That's where this historical Israel was as well. That Israel that we acknowledge now only came into existence after World War II. But originally, that that kingdom, the promised land, when when God brought his people out of Egypt into the promised land, there was that strip of land, and that area was always fighting. There was a northern kingdom and there was a southern kingdom. Only for a few uh, decades, if you will, was there a unified kingdom when you had King Saul and King David and King Solomon. But for the most part, they, they fought, there was a civil war, and there was a northern kingdom, what we call Israel, and there was a southern kingdom, what we call Judah. The northern kingdom of, of Israel was taken over in 722 B.C. by Assyria, and all the people were kind of marched off into exile and, and brought into the Assyrian Empire. And the same thing happened with the southern kingdom when Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, came along and attacked Judah and brought all of those people into what we consider to be be Babylon or that that area that we think of as modern-day Iraq. And that happened in um, 587-586 B.C., and then the Babylonian Empire, this is the last thing history, it's, it's okay, you can hang with me. The last thing happened, the Persian Empire overtook the Babylonian Empire in 539 B.C. Now one of the things that happened when, when Nebuchadnezzar came into Judah, which would have, Jerusalem was in Judah, he, he came in and he picked out all of the people that had skills, that, that were knowledgeable, that were, that were kind of the, the bright shining stars. And he took those folks, those young men that were those bright shining stars, and put, brought them into the, the kingdom of Babylon and allowed them to lead. And one of those people was Daniel. And we find Daniel is an Old Testament book. It's a book of prophecy. Uh, but it legitimizes what happened in the Babylonian Empire when Nebuchadnezzar and then later the Assyrian Empire, because he served under, under both empires, those empires would have learned about the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. Because it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over, you see that, over his wise men. So this is 500 years before Jesus was born, right? 
This is 500 years before Jesus is born. The Babylonian Empire has gone away. The Assyrian Empire has gone away. There is, uh, at this point, the Persian Empire. These people, these wise men, are studying the words of Daniel. 500 years later, it's been passed down. The wise men have been given some of the scrolls, some of the what we consider to be the Old Testament, for they knew that there was going to be a star that was going to announce the birth of the Jewish Messiah. They were looking. So these, astrolog- these uh, astronomers uh, were looking at the stars. That's the connection. That's the area of the country they were from. So hopefully we can kind of blow your mind a little bit in busting that myth that they were from the Orient. They were from the same area where God's people were taken into exile. And that word was being passed down over and over and over again. And the last myth that we want to bust for you this morning is that the the three kings or the wise men or the magi, if you will, that they showed up at the manger scene. You see, we all have those crush sets. We all have those beautiful nativity sets, those, those beautiful things that, that maybe your grandmother painted and, and, or, or something, and it, it's a treasure for you, and you're going to box it up this week with straw and, and some paper and take good care of it because it's a treasured Christmas decoration for you. But the reality is those guys, those magi, were not at the manger. They were not there the night that Jesus was born. The shepherds came the night that Jesus was born. But they came to see the child Jesus, not the infant Jesus. Now, how do we know that? Look closer at verse 11. I'll read it again. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They entered the house, not the stable, not the manger, not the cave, not the back door of the inn where they could not find any room. They entered the house and they saw the child. Now, we know that our pastor is well-versed in Greek. And I went to seminary like 30 years ago and my worst subject was Greek. So I can't hold a candle to him, but I can look things up, okay? And I know that in verse 11, the Greek word for child is pation, not infant, which is, which is brephos, which we see in Luke's account where the shepherds went and knelt down at the infant. There are two different words we use in English, infant and child. It says that the magi or the wise men came into the house and worshiped the child. And furthermore, we know that when Herod gets upset, when the, when the magi come to Herod, naturally they're thinking, okay, a king's been born, a king of the Jews, so where would they go? They would go to the capital in Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem and they knock on the door and they say, hey, Herod, congratulations on your baby boy. And he's like, whoa, what are you talking about? There's no baby boy here. And they're like, oh, well, we saw his star rise. So we must, there must be a, a, a new prince that's been born. And he said, uh, no. So he gathers together his religious leaders and, and, and great teachers of the law and says, hey, is there anything in the scriptures that's, that says where the Messiah is going to be born? They say, oh, yeah, that's Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, right? Well, they didn't have chapters and verses, but, but they knew. Micah's prophecy says, hey, go to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is going to be where? So they truck on down to Bethlehem, and it's there that they find him, and they don't come back to Herod because Herod says, hey, when you find him, let me know where he is so that I can worship him too. He's not going to worship him. 
A baby that's proclaimed to be the king is a threat to Herod. So Herod does this horrible thing, and we gloss over it so often in our Christmas narratives. But it says that Herod kills every baby boy in Bethlehem, two years old or younger. Two years old or younger. So that means that according to when the Magi told him that they first saw the star, it would have been at least two years ago. So that means that Jesus would probably, a two-year-old at this point, right? He's in his terrible twos at that moment, right? For all you young mothers out there, he's, he's tearing up the place, right? So we know that the Magi didn't come to the stable where the manger and the feeding trough where Mary laid Jesus that first night. Myths are being busted. I'm so sorry. I've just ruined all of your beautiful crest sets and everything. But here's some truths that we learn from Scripture. The reality is and the fact is we acknowledge that the Magi were guided by a star. They were guided by a star. There was some astrological thing happening in the heavens. And in those days, uh, a big star was thought to, to announce the birth of a king. And, and, and uh, astronomy folks, you know, I'm not a big scientist, I, I can't figure all this out, but they do know that, that around this time, there's thought to be that Jupiter and two other stars kind of lined up and it created this, this really big star. When I get to heaven and I found out what it is, I'm going to rejoice but the reality is, and Scripture concurs, that they were guided by a star. They were guided by the star. Numbers 24, 17 says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob. That's the word that was passed down from Daniel to all of the wise men serving in the king's courts, and that's what they were looking for. So that's a the truth. They were guided by a star. The other truth is that the baby was born in Bethlehem, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and it was in Bethlehem that the Magi came to visit the Christ child. Bethlehem is a a small village about five to ten miles south of Jerusalem. It's the place where Jacob buried his beloved wife, Rachel. It's a place where Ruth, those of you who know the story of Ruth, it's where Ruth met Boaz in, in Bethlehem. It's the place where King David grew up. Remember the story in Samuel where Samuel comes to anoint the new king during Saul's reign, and he, and he goes to Jesse's house and says, Jesse, I want to see all your sons, and Jesse prays all of his sons out, and, and uh, Samuel says, well, no, none of these fit. If, do you have any more sons? And he's like, yeah, well, there's David, but he's a little pipsqueak of a kid, and he's out tending sheep in the fields, and he says, bring him in, and that's the one that's anointed. So Bethlehem is David's hometown. It's where Micah prophesied that the, the Messiah would be born. Now get this. This is the cool thing. You know how in the Christmas story, the shepherds are the first ones to come and, and, and visit the Jesus, the, 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 the infant in the manger? Shepherds around Bethlehem were notorious. One of their main jobs, uh, their industry for them, was they raised sheep on the hillsides of Bethlehem. Those sheep were generally used in the sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. You see that connection? That doesn't that give you chills? That'll preach right there. The shepherds around Bethlehem raised the sheep 
that were used in the sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem, the same area where Jesus, the lamb without blemish, the one who would be our ultimate sacrifice and get rid of that animal sacrifice in our religious understanding, that Jesus was born in the same area where the sheep were raised for the sacrifice. Ooh, that'll preach right there, but I'm not gonna go down that road. Is that okay? Y'all just make a note of that. <laughs> but, but that's pretty cool. The other thing, the other truth that we know, not only were, the, were they guided by a star, not only was, uh, did they meet Jesus in Bethlehem, but these folks, these magi, were the first Gentiles to worship Jesus. This is incredibly symbolic because for the Jews, they were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone who would throw off the yoke of the Roman government, the people that would, that, someone that would be a Messiah, maybe a military leader, a, a ruler of some sort that would, that would bring prominence back to Israel. No, uh, not at all. This particular um, Messiah was for the whole world. Those of us, if you grew up Jewish, you're Jewish. But those of us that didn't grow up Jewish were considered to be Gentiles, non-Jews. And these are the first Gentiles to worship Jesus. We acknowledge that Jesus the Messiah is here for the whole world, for all of us. We've been grafted into God's family because what Jesus eventually does for us on the cross. The amazing gift that Jesus gives us. We, we know from from Scripture that the Magi brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and it's our custom now at Christmas time, for some of you who grew up in a culture where you give a gift on Epiphany or, or um, uh, Three Kings Sunday or, uh, or Three Kings uh, January 6th, maybe that's a custom that you grew up with. We exchange gifts on December 25th. Have you ever been in a place where somebody gave you a gift that you didn't have a gift for them? You ever had that? Isn't that that just feels so awkward, doesn't it? I mean, when you think about it, for the when you get a gift like that, you kind of feel guilty, right? You're like, ah, you know, I didn't get you something. I, I, you kind of feel like a heel, you know. You kind of feel like you're the least, right? You know, and and for for the giver, if you give somebody a gift and they don't have one in return, you're like, you know, it. it you say, oh, it's the gift that counts. You know, you have the right words to say. But you're kind of like, what? You, you didn't think enough of me to get me a gift either? You know, you kind of, you feel forgotten. You, you feel like the least. This story is about the least. This story through and through is about the least. The Magi were Gentile astronomers, the least likely folks to come and show up and worship the king of the Jews, the least likely people to be looking for a Messiah. This story is about the least, the, the star guided the, the magi to, the, to the, the least likely place a king would be born, Bethlehem. The king should have been born in Jerusalem, the capital city where, where Herod and his family was. Herod was the least likely of persons to be king at that time. He was not a full-blooded Jew. He was a, a descendant of, of Esau. Bethlehem is the least likely place, according to Micah, uh, of the places where, where a king would be born. This is a story about the least. Jesus knew what it was like to be the least. He knew what it was like to be the least and he came to save the least. 
you and me. Jesus knew what it was like to be the least. He had humble beginnings. He was a, a poor carpenter's son. He, Herod opposed him. The, the priests, they didn't even acknowledge him. If, you, if you've been participating in the Trinity, um, uh, what do we get? The, thank you, the, the devotions. We, the Trinity devotions, back in the first week of, of January, there was a devotion that was written about why in the world would the chief priests and, and studies, stud, students of the law, when the, when the um, Magi came to them and Herod said, hey, where in the world is this Messiah going to be born? And they said, oh, it's going to be Bethlehem. Why wouldn't they have walked the five miles to get to Bethlehem to see this Magi too? Even the priests and religious leaders, they ignored Jesus. He was poor and he was homeless. He was somebody that was rejected by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of his day when he taught. He was somebody that understood what it meant to be the least because he suffered the death of a common criminal. Jesus knew what it was like to be the least. Maybe, just maybe this morning, you come into this place and you acknowledge that you are feeling like one of the least. Maybe you came into this place this morning and, and, and you feel forgotten and you struggle with depression you struggle with the winter blues. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, this wasn't the happiest of holidays for you. Maybe this was the first time that you went through these holidays without a loved one and you missed them at the empty chair at the table. Maybe you continued to mourn the loss of someone that was an important part of your family. Maybe you're feeling like the least because you're struggling and you've had time off and, and you've had all this time on your hands and, and the enemy has gotten into your mind and, and, and you think, you're starting to think things about yourself and you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for Jesus. I'm not good enough for that church. Maybe someone drug you to our Christmas Eve services and, and, and you, you, you felt excited about coming here and, and now the enemy's gotten in your head and said, yeah, that was cool for Christmas Eve, but you wouldn't dare come back on January 2nd. And here you are and you're feeling like the least because you're thinking to yourself, if those people in that church knew what I did last night, or knew what I did on New Year's Eve. Or maybe if those people know about my rap sheet and my resume and all the things I've done, maybe, just maybe, they won't accept me. And you're feeling like the least. And the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, gets into our head and gets into our thought life and says that we're not good enough. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that that baby grew up to go to the cross for your sins, the least of these. You are the least. I am the least. Jesus came so that we, the least, would experience grace, so that we, the least, could experience forgiveness of our sins, so that we, the least, even though we have a rap sheet a mile long of all the things that we've done wrong, that we deserve death, that we deserve punishment, that Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. God loved us enough that even though in spite of all the things that we've done, that Jesus came to us the least to give us life 
life in abundance, grace and forgiveness? Are you feeling like the least this morning? Are you feeling like you can't possibly go into 2022 if it's going to be anything like 2021? Are you worried about the things that are going to happen this year, the, the, the things that, that might uh, rock your family, the, the medical things, the, the issues, the finances, all of those things? Are you worried about that this morning? Are you thinking that you are the least? We give that over to God this morning, the one who loves us enough, the least, to come and pour out his grace and his forgiveness and his love for us. The Magi, they, they come and they, they give us an example of how we're supposed to interact with this Jesus. It says in Scripture that they went inside the house. That it said that, they, that we, as people of God, we have to come and see. We have to go over the threshold of the door of the house. Maybe just we put our foot in the water just a little bit. Maybe you, you came on that Christmas Eve and you said, I'm going to check out this church and, and see what they're all about. And the band's pretty cool, but the speaking, yeah, you know, it's... it's <laughs> Maybe just maybe you're putting your toe in the water and, and you think to yourself, I'll give it a try, but I've been hurt before. I've been hurt by church. I've been hurt by religion. I'm here to tell you this morning that you want to try Jesus on, not a church, not religion, because a church and religion will fail you all the time, but Jesus will never fail you. The word of scripture says that, that, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Won't you come and see? Won't you come and experience that Jesus? And then when you come and see that Jesus, it says that the Magi knelt down and worshipped him. We cannot interact with this amazing God, Emmanuel God with us, without bowing down and worshipping. It's an instant response to the holiness of God. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. And they gave him gifts. They gave him gold frankincense and myrrh. Gold probably financed the, the fleeing of Mary, Joseph, and, and, and Jesus. It says in the next little few verses in chapter 2 that they fled to Egypt to, to get away from Herod's destructive slaying of all the boys in Bethlehem. It, we acknowledge that the gift of, of frankincense is, is burned so that we would, we would feel the presence of God, a deity, that, that, that Jesus is God. And myrrh, the gift of myrrh, foreshadowed the death that he would pay the price for us on the cross. Myrrh was, was a spice that was used in the embalming process. Won't you give your gifts to Jesus won't you give your life to Jesus? Won't, won't, you, won't you give everything you have to Jesus? Because Jesus can take that and make it into something. Jesus can take it and turn it into something. Your weakness can be made into strength. It can be made into strength so that you, the people of God, might be able to go out and advance the kingdom of God. And we read in this scripture that the Magi, after they had interacted with Herod, and they acknowledged that, that Herod wanted to know the identity and the place where this baby or this child was because they, 
He wanted to kill them. They were warned in a dream to go another way, to go home another way. And the scripture says that the Magi didn't go back to Herod. After they had interacted with Christ, they went home another way. Folks, when we interact with Jesus, when we interact with Emmanuel, God with us, when we interact with the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings, we have no choice but to go home a different way. We have to go home a different way. Our lives are transformed because of what he does in our lives. Our, our marriages are transformed, our families, our finances, everything. We go home a different way because of the way that Jesus touches our hearts. And we go in, we come in feeling like the least, but we go out acknowledging that we are children of the Most High God. We are sons and daughters of God. And I am preaching way better than you are responding. Give me an amen or something. Folks, this passage of Scripture is true. It's not a myth. We might bust some myths about it tonight, today, but, but I pray that when we truly wrap our mind around this passage of Scripture, we will acknowledge that we, like the Magi, have journeyed far. We have a whole life experience behind us. And in this moment, we come before Christ and we bow down, and we worship him, and we give him our gifts, and we go home a different way. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, God. Lord, we, as your people, we come and we gather in this place, and it's easy to sit in our seats and hide behind a mask that everything's okay, and Christmas was a good time, that a vacation was a good break. But the reality is, God, we, we've come into this place and we feel broken. And we feel like the least. And we're experiencing pain and, and we're experiencing the results of our sin. We're listening to the voice of the enemy in our head that does not line up with the truth of Scripture. God, help us to be your people. Help us, help us to bust the myth of the enemy that, that speaks into our head that says that we are the least, that we are forgotten, that no one will have us because of what we've done or who we think we are. Lord, bust that myth for us this morning, that we, your people, might be called your sons and your daughters, that we, your people, might bow and worship you, giving you our treasures and going home a different way. God, transform us this morning. Allow us to be your holy people, forgiven and full of your grace and love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.